This episode of Friends of Flow is brought to you by NCLEX Mastery. If you're a nursing student and you're about to take your NCLEX, you need to go to the App Store right now and download NCLEX Mastery. Hey everyone, this is uh, Dr. Andy Witters here from Friends of Flow. And Rebecca Porter. Hi, Andy. Hi, Rebecca. I'm missing Tess today. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're missing our, our, yeah, our, our third teaching. leg here, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, she's you know? teaching today. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Hi, Tess. Well, hey, Tess. Um, so, so what do we talk today? Well, I think we've got a couple of exciting things to talk about. Um, you have published a couple of papers. And so, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And so, um, the one that I would like to talk about is the one on falls. Oh, that was a big project. Yeah, so that's that's a huge nursing um, issue. And you uh, know just, what's and, really crazy is that it's been going on for decades. Yeah, decades, right. People haven't figured out how to prevent falls. Right. And Yeah. And what about tracking, too? I'd imagine tracking falls has, has, has oh, changed. Well, uh, oh, the tell me of, about that. Well, uh, I'd imagine the advent of of just computer charting and right. making it uh, easier to harvest that that uh, that's a very that, that, that surgical data. word. Yeah, to harvest. Yeah, well, is, is it a surgical word? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, well I, I don't know. What other word did you use? I'm because I, 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 I mine guess, mine. Okay. See, that, mine that, that, that sounds like an industrial word to me. I guess so. Oh, yeah, but I think that's a technology word that we use in research. Is you ah, go and mine okay. the data. You mine your data. Sure, that makes sense to me. Harvest the data. Yeah, harvest the data, mine yeah, the data. You've been in the OR too the long, uh, Maybe I have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> harvest some vein too while I'm at it. Yeah. So anyway, like, uh, can you can you talk about your your awesome? Uh, this was a really interesting study. So it was published in the May issue of the American Journal of Nursing, and you can get it free online. Um, if you just go to um, Google American Journal of Nursing and look at the May 2018 issue, um, I don't have it up in front of me. Andrew, what's the title of your paper? So yeah, Exploring Clinicians' Perceptions About Sustaining Evidence-Based Fall Prevention Program. So uh, we can put this up even um, next to our, our podcast. Oh, good perhaps. idea. Great idea. So, um, uh, I, I like what you what you state um, in the conclusions of the study about um, how it's everyone's responsibility. Um, part of fall prevention is indeed the culture. Um, right. That is, that is, is there on a unit. Um, so I was wondering if you could just maybe speak to uh, the culture and specifically how that relates to a, a nurse's responsibility. Sure. Of, of, of being that patient advocate too. Quality indicators um, for nursing are monitored and tracked very closely by insurance companies and particularly by Medicare and Medicaid. And so um, what we had noticed was that despite having instituted a long time ago uh, a fall risk assessment on every patient, um, that falls were not... Going down, going down. <laughs> no pun, right? No pun intended. But falls were continuing to happen, and indeed, when we went to the literature, we found that there's a huge rate of falling still, and the cost not only to the patient for the injury, physical injury, but the emotional impact of falling is huge on sure. people, and it makes them more afraid which increases the risk again for falling. Sure. 
Um, and so we thought that we would do a qualitative study, and I um, really like doing qualitative research. So I was asked if I would lead this part of the study. And we um, tried to talk to people from um, all disciplines uh, besides nursing. It was mostly nurses that mm-hmm. I, I did focus groups with. And then I talked to some individual providers. In the hospital setting, though, correct? In the hospital that, setting. This okay. was in that's an acute care hospital. We talked to nurses uh, primarily from adult world um, and and physicians and other groups um, f- from uh, the adult world. And we wanted to know why. What is going on that we have this really good fall prevention program? What is going on? And so um, we interviewed, I interviewed all these people, and then we did this uh, qualitative data analysis, which is a, an, another, t- another discussion for another time. But we came up with these two themes, and one of the themes was how information is communicated and the second issue is what is a hospital as an organization doing to help prevent falls? So when we look at the communication issue, where that the data came from was that everybody assumes that nursing holds the responsibility for preventing a fall. The non-nursing people didn't even know that fall data was collected. They oh, interesting. They didn't know that there is a very specific fall risk assessment tool that we use. And So uh, operationally speaking, I mean, the, the management at, at, at this care facility wasn't passing that every unit, down the chain, so to speak. Every unit was uh, doing it differently. So wow. nothing was standardized. Interesting. But, but going back to the communication thing, so um, a nurse would assess a patient for fall risk and put that information either in the chart on the electronic record and on the um, uh, whiteboard in the patient's room, and they would just have FRA, with fall risk assessment, with the number corresponding to the risk for falling. And uh, sometimes they would put a leaf on the door, which meant that that patient is at a risk for falling. So when I talked to the non-nurses, they had no idea. Oh, and, and it's talked about in bed huddle and patient care rounding. Um, but two things. People who weren't nurses didn't know that, um, didn't know what the leaf was about. They had no <laughs> no awareness of what fall risk assessment was. Sure. And um, they just figured the nurses would take care of it, and if there was a problem, they would talk to them. One of the non-nurse participants said, well, I just never talk to the nurses unless there's a problem. Wow. Wow. And um, and one of the non-nurses said, well, if a nurse comes and tells me that somebody's at a risk for falling, I, I just go do my, an assessment on my own. 
and the, which can be different than from the, the nursing, nursing assessment, assessment, which is different, you know, perhaps from right. another unit. So and the wow, things that so, they look for are different than what the nurses look for. So um, then, then some of the nurses talked about when you go into what you were asking about the culture and how the organization, what does the organization do to um, help prevent falls? Well, one of the nurses in the nursing focus group said, basically, if I'm, if I'm with another patient, how am I supposed to be with somebody else at the same time? That I hear the alarm going, and the nursing assistant is with somebody else, and there's nothing I can do. I can't be in two places at the same time. So that becomes an issue of staffing within the hospital or right. in the acute care setting that you can't be in two places at the same time. There aren't enough people. Um, bed alarms are used and they're going. Um, another issue that came up in the culture of the of the hospital is our... Are you standardizing across the whole hospital that everybody in the whole hospital knows that a leaf on the door means that this person is at a risk for falling? Yeah, I see what you're saying. And then one of the other issues that came up was what about patients who want or need the door to their room closed? You know how when you're on a unit, you kind of look in on a room as you walk by? Right. Mm-hmm. And you just see how somebody's doing, and they might catch your eye and say, oh, could you move this or get this for me? Um, if you see somebody trying to get out of bed, I hope you're one of the nurses that will run in and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I'm right here to help you, or hold on while I get some help for you. But if the door is closed, and what about people who are on immune suppression and have to have their door closed for isolation reasons? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can't be there. Um, what what do you do? How do you balance that? Um, yeah. And what do you do on your unit? Do you make sure that everybody has their call bell right there and that you promise to be there as fast as you can when the door is closed? Yeah. Um, yeah. So those were things that were really important. Which, what else struck you, Andrew? Yeah. So, well, as I'm as I think about how this relates to the primary care practice, particularly in the elderly uh, population and long-term care, for instance, uh, you mentioned standardization, which is a, which is a great, a great point. I, I, I for one, uh, visit several different uh, facilities, uh, long-term care facilities that uh, to your point within the, the organization that you were evaluating, they all have different practices. They all have a different way of going about uh, doing their fall risk assessment uh, as well as what to do when somebody does have a fall. Um, so, for instance, uh, identifying a patient that has um, uh, a fall risk, I've, I've seen things like that leaf iconography on, uh, on, on a door, but instead it might just be a, a black line. That and everybody just knows that this, this, uh, this black color means that, you know, indeed this patient's at risk for for a fall. But that that that's only within this one organization. Uh, others uh, are a little more direct, and I I I prefer 
the the direct verbiage of just saying just saying fall, fall risk, risk. <laughs> right because because that that there, there's nothing to be ashamed of I right. think and, and it, I don't and I think that when when you, when you see a patient that's a fall risk you tell them that they're a fall risk and say hey um, and it's an opportunity for a nurse or or frankly whoever on the medical uh, or healthcare team to say you're a fall risk I need you to uh, before you get up uh, we prefer that you call, use your call light, uh, have one of the nursing aides or assistants or nurses come in here and help, help get you up and ambulating to where you need to go. Um, that, that as an approach that I've seen as, as a provider, I can't empirically prove this. I'm, I've not done any research on it, but I think that that's the best approach that works well. I think that you have the words and, uh, I agree. I think just the words fall risk. Yeah. And, um, we have isolation signs on the yeah, door. Yeah, exactly. And we just have right. this, you know, this person is at a risk for falling and it may be just a risk for a few days or a couple of hours or whatever, but I think the signs should be in multiple languages and not assume that everybody going into the room speaks English or reads English. Sure. And yeah, maybe makes, they have a universal sign for falling on the door for people that don't read English sure. or, or are illiterate and don't read. Yeah. Um, but standardizing that throughout the hospital is really important. I think from a culture, hospital culture or, or facility culture, it is making sure that everybody understands what a fall risk is. How do you do the assessment? How is that information passed along to every single person, including housekeeping? That housekeeping might see that somebody's trying to get out of bed and can ring the bell for the patient or go get help for the patient. That um, physicians uh, need to be taught how to ambulate a patient. They, sure. They're, yeah. they're not, they're just, we can no longer practice in these silos. Right. Know, that this is a team. And it's a truly a team approach. You're absolutely right. It has right. to be. And that nurse practitioners who are doing patient care rounds, you don't, you still have RN behind your name. A absolutely. And You're absolutely you still right. have a responsibility if somebody needs to go to the bathroom to respect the human dignity of needing to go to the bathroom. Yes. It doesn't matter what letters you have behind your name. <laughs> That's right. It'll only take five minutes, and surely you have five minutes. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is the door closing on the unit and, and arriving at how do we handle this as a hospital or as a facility um, for people that are at risk for falling. One of the other things that came up that was really interesting um, our facility has been um, had a lot of renovations done, and all the rooms are private rooms. Are moving towards being a private room, which is I would really appreciate if I were a patient. But it also means that uh, nurses are divided between rooms, and it may be that your patient gets transferred to another bed within the unit and you follow them so that you've got a patient now on another end of the unit or that you need to do some charting and the only computer available for you to chart on um, is on the other side of the unit away from where you see your, your patient. So these pods 
that are very popular in current hospital design um, isolate nurses from one another so that you cannot see another nurse, but you're supposed to be able to visualize all of your patients. Sure. Sure. So those are kind of the some of the things that came up. Absolutely. In that, what other questions do you have, Andrew? Yeah, this is a this is a good uh, stopping point here, just for this part of the discussion. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Here at NCLEX Mastery, we love nurses and especially nursing students, but we need your feedback about this podcast. If you have ideas on topics or you have questions you want us to answer, shoot us a message, leave a comment, go to our Facebook page, and just tell us what you think because we want to help you in the most specific way that you need that help. Thank you so much. And we're back. This is Andy from Friends of Flow. And I'm Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. So we got uh, a great conversation going here. We were yeah, talking that about, article. That... Right, the article of the uh, the, the fall risk. Um, uh, we, we mentioned very briefly, I want to talk about the cost of, oh my of falls within um, the healthcare setting. So are you talking about financial cost or emotional costs? Or... A little bit of everything. Okay, I, I, so I, I, ask I'm me. Thinking... Let's talk. So, yeah. So, so um, I, I think about in my own practice working with... Uh, the elderly. I, I go to uh, a couple different uh, facilities in the community. They again have different standardized practices with, within. Are they each standardized facility. throughout uh, the facility? They, they're they're standardized to just to that facility. Like this is the way we do things, and period. That's it. End of story. We, we it has to go to, a, to a, some kind of a committee to have it changed or manipulated, which which is good. Oh yeah, to, to some degree. But um, a lot of the facilities that, that I go to might have a population of only you know, 30 or 20 people. Oh, right. And so, and so, hot, so, it's, so it's a little more I manageable. Work, yeah, where I work, um, it's uh, over 700 beds. Right. Whereas for a facility that's over 100 beds, it's a little more difficult to have a, a institute of standardized policy. But anyway, um, I'm thinking in particular of one place I go to where if a, if a person, a patient has a fall, even if it's just a scratch on their head or if it's, or if they just fall to their knees and say perhaps... Uh, uh, fall against a wall and, and it's witnessed and they hit their head and it merits the, the need for a CT scan. So, so it's, it's not necessarily based on assessment. It's based on, did this person hit their head? Right. And, and then they and go to the hospital. So they go to the ER, right. And they had this big ER evaluation sometimes oh, by ambulance. That, that, that's, that, that's a monetary cost. The ER is a monetary cost. So who pays have, for it? Well, that's just it. Who, who does pay for it? I mean, so it does be, Medicare pay or right. do they so, get nicked themselves? Well, or? so in, in most of the situations that I'm involved with, insurance takes care of it. However, that, that, that contributes to the, 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 the problem of the high cost of, of, of health care. You know? right. and, and, and you know in, in your heart and clinically speaking, you, you can look at this patient and say, this patient's okay. Assessment-wise, they're okay. But there's a policy that is it, it's buttoned up in this uh, legal framework that says uh, we can need to protect ourselves. And we put this patient through this... The trauma. This, yeah, the, the, the trauma of going through to the ER, going into... Uh, a, a CT scan. Sometimes, Having to go sometimes, sit in the ER. Yes, yeah, sit in the ER, even being medicated in the ER or, or perhaps even before imaging takes place. Um, most people don't like to be drugged 
or, or anesthetized prior to a. Why do they have to get drugs? Well, if, if there's if there's a, like an anxious event. Oh I mean, yeah, if yeah. You, if you have someone who has perhaps fallen or during a during a, um, uh, an ER evaluation. Uh, they're they're anxious. They don't want to get get a CT scan. Putting your head inside that thing, right? Yeah, it, it's it's traumatic for some people, right? And so all of this adds up to just a huge financial cost, and it's a burden to the to the medical system. All because we have a policy that says this needs to be done, and it's and it has its roots in in a legal framework. So we we don't get we don't get sued. That 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 to me is a cost of of falls, it's also the difference in that we see in in policies. Other other places I go to might have more of a assessment based. Uh, we use nursing judgment, um, especially if it's a witnessed fall. Oh, they they hit their head against like their mattress or something as as they as they as they fell. But you know what? They're okay. Their their neck is more sore than anything else. I think it's just some. If somebody's soreness. on Coumadin, you might have a. A higher threshold or a lower threshold, yes, I exactly. guess, for going to the right. ER for a, right. based for a, on, bump, a head bump. Yes, exactly. That, and, and then also based on what's their, their clinical symptoms look like. Right. Over uh, time. Over Yeah, over time. Uh, and that, that, that time can be defined as a couple minutes or even like a couple hours because things change clinically. Right, you know? and a subdural can, can pop up right. days later. Right. So it's right. just everybody being aware. Wow. And then we look at... Uh, you know, costs to the medical system of a fall. I I can't remember the numbers that I saw, but to the whole system, is got to be nearly a billion dollars. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. And then you look at the f- if somebody injures themselves, breaks a bone, um, has had surgery and traumatizes a surgical site. Yes. Um, they uh, need sutures if they fall and cut themselves. And these are all huge trauma for um, for patients and then their family. But can you imagine as a patient if, if you've fallen, just the trauma of the of the psychological trauma and the fear of falling. You know, I don't, have you ever tripped over anything? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and you know, you feel yourself going down. Yesterday, I was out watering plants, and I was pulling the hose out, and I was in between two stones, and I had on rubber clogs, and I felt myself slipping, and I just said a very bad word and grabbed a tree so that I wouldn't <laughs> fall because I imagined cracked, cracking my head on the side of a stone. And Okay, you're going to be a fall risk for the rest of your life now because you cracked your head on a stone. But my neighbor, a young woman, fell and got stitches in her chin, and she said, wow, you know, it's really changed how I run. Like I'm sure. really watching things now. Yeah. And that's a young person, but if you're sick... Or you are very, or you are elderly and and not very strong physically. The fear of falling and then the trauma of the fall must be huge. Yeah, of course. I, I think another aspect for for nurses in particular, especially the 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 newer nurses that are out there, if if you see and and uh, understand that a patient is at risk for a fall, think about your other. Uh, healthcare colleagues, like who, who else can help? So, like your physical therapy, your occupational therapy, your nurse practitioner, yeah, your nurse practitioner, sure, your your restorative therapist that can 
maybe give some some movement exercises to your patients to help build muscle, get some range of motion uh, exercises going to eventually help prevent that patient from from, from falling in the future. Right. And educating the patient. Right, educating the patient. What huge. happens, do you think, when um, when a patient falls to that trust relationship? Oh, you'd have to think of it. With the family, yes. with you, and the patient with you. And uh, I, I would feel horrible if one of my patients fell. Sure, sure. I, 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 think, I think particularly to, to the trust issue, I think that it would uh, go down. I think, I think the same thing for, for family members. I think they would lose confidence that uh, a facility or, or the healthcare team, including nurses, would have the ability to take care of their loved one. Right. And, so, and, that, and that, 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 in a sense, is a cost too. So one of the ways to prevent this is to look at your fall prevention work that you do on your unit and in your facility and to make sure that everybody, including the patient, understands um, that a risk for falling and that it's not just because you're old, it's not just because you've had surgery, but you know, you're in a different environment, there's equipment around and and it's right. uh, and and what we are doing to help prevent that. Yes. So I would like to talk for a minute about um, what happens when you have to go to the bathroom <laughs> and there's nobody around. Sure. What would you do? Uh, well, if, what if it was you in bed and you had to pee and I, and I couldn't ambulate? Is, is yeah, that what you're asking? Yeah. yeah. So, can you like what must that feel like? So yeah. It, so that so this is this. So you, I think what you're speaking about is just being able to empathize with with your patient and preserving the, the that sense of dignity that for, human for your, dignity right it's we're, we're all human we all have biological uh functions that need to be recognized especially when we're ill or in a in a, in a setting that's not we're vulnerable we're, right we're vulnerable. vulnerable right and that thing about respecting human dignity is actually one of the very first statements in the uh, nursing code of ethics is what we do to protect human dignity. Sure. And I think going to the bathroom preserves human dignity. It and sure privacy does. of going to the bathroom preserves human dignity. I can't even imagine what it is to have to call for help to go to the bathroom. I mean, yeah. you and I, we can all get up and say, excuse me for a minute, and we don't even say where we're going, and you go to the loo and you come back. Yeah. But now you have to ring a bell. And announce it in a way. And announce it over the intercom to <laughs> everybody at the nursing station. I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Well, you were just there an hour ago. What's this about? Yeah. Can you imagine? I, I, I imagine it would be very difficult to be a, to be a patient. And, and I think that it's it's my purview as a, as a practicing nurse practitioner, uh, and no matter what, initials I have behind my name, which it, which is DNP. And I, I get plenty of respect from my, my colleagues and, and including the nursing facilities I visit, but I would, I'm always making myself available to, to help the patients in their most basic needs, even, even if it means to, to cover them up. Like, like if they're, so if they're in the OR for instance, and if they're just laying on the bed, just completely stripped and naked we can preserve dignity by covering them up. Right. Uh, same thing in, in, in clinical practice in a, in a primary care setting. If 
if someone needs help to just simply stand up and maybe get uh, a commode underneath them, humble yourself as a provider and as a human just to assist. I'm not saying all the time, but I mean, if you can, it's not something that, that is, that should matter what, what your, uh, what your credentials are. It's not just a nursing aides job. It's not just a nurse's job. It's but just, it's a physician job. It's a PA yeah, job. Exactly. And I remember talking to a friend of mine who, because I was irritated that he, she did not help a patient go to the bathroom. And they said to me, well, I don't know how to do that. And that's what you do. See, that, that's an inappropriate response, I would say. I would say. And so <laughs> we had this little conversation about how important, how would you feel if that was your mother or your sister or your brother or your child who sure. needed to go to the bathroom and one of your physician colleagues said, oh, uh, just hold on, I'll go find a nurse. Yeah. And yeah. then you decide to go have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Like, where, where is that coming from? Where, where does that come from? And again, it's a culture thing. It's a culture thing. Yeah, sure it is. So how it is that we pattern, how we share, and respecting human dignity. I would advise, especially the the new nurses and advanced practice nurses out there, uh, when they when they start their practice, and um, to don't forget that you're 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 a nurse, and you uh, you're also human, and you should humble yourself to to do those actions that are not so pleasurable at times um, uh, in, in your line of clinical work. Uh, be there to, to help out uh, other nursing colleagues. Uh, it's a great way to earn respect, and plus it's a great way to earn your patient's trust. Right. So that's some general, I guess, advice that I would give. Well, I think we're about ready to wrap up here. And I yeah. think that um, have a look at the article and see what you think. Um, send us some of your questions or thoughts. And I challenge you to look at where you work and look at the cultural assumptions of who is responsible for fall prevention and how is that shared and should it be changed. So I think that's all we have today. It's been great talking with you, Andrew. It's been so pleasurable talking with you too, Rebecca. Take care, everybody. (laughs) All right. This is Friends of Flow saying innovate, agitate, and educate. And take care. Bye. Here at NCLEX Mastery, we love nurses and especially nursing students, but we need your feedback about this podcast. If you have ideas on topics or you have questions you want us to answer, shoot us a message, leave a comment, go to our Facebook page and just tell us what you think because we want to help you in the most specific way that you need that help. Thank you so much.